Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's, and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. I couldn't help but notice, as I went to the grocery store this past week again, how the quantity of what you get is smaller, and how much you pay is more. Things are changing, it seems, by the month. But this morning, God is going to talk to you and me about a commodity that never goes down in value. It always costs everything, but it's free for us, and we never get less than what's promised. It's his kingdom. It is our greatest treasure. We'll hear more about that in our service today. Let's begin by singing our opening hymn, 828.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you reveal your mighty power chiefly in showing mercy and kindness. Grant us the full measure of your grace that we may obtain your promises and become partakers of your heavenly glory. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our first lesson for today, taken from 1 Kings chapter 3. If you could ask for anything that you wanted, any one thing, what would it be? That's the opportunity that King Solomon had. And he knew what was most important. He asked the Lord for wisdom to serve in his kingdom. What a great request for you and me as well. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. The word of the Lord. We continue with the psalm.
Our second lesson for today, taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, we here may feel not very wealthy compared to some, but compared to most in the world, we are. With material wealth, with money, the Lord reminds us in this lesson where true wealth lies. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. The word of the Lord. Please stand. on things above, not on earthly things. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Our gospel today, taken from Matthew 13, serves as the basis for our sermon. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 859. 
grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from Jesus Christ, our priceless treasure. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon, the gospel from Matthew 13. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You've probably all heard of the Titanic and the iceberg. But many of you probably don't remember the Republic just three years before the Titanic. The Republic was a huge ocean liner, steam run, almost two football fields long, carrying 1,500 passengers, and in January of 1909, early in the morning, when there was dense fog, it was not too far out into the Atlantic, off the East Coast, when it was T-boned by another vessel. The Republic sank to the bottom of the Atlantic, and along with it, tremendous wealth. There were many wealthy passengers aboard the Republic, and, according to some estimates, the gold on board that ship is valued in today's dollars at over one billion. Now, after many years of research, a man by the name of Captain Martin Bayerly, back in 1981, discovered the wreckage of the Republic. Could you imagine being part of Captain Bayerly's crew? There on that day, as they were diving down to see and to look at the Republic, could you imagine having a share in that wealth? All of the excitement, the adrenaline, the opportunities. Today, the Lord himself raises up from the depths the mother load, the jackpot, the biggest loot ever found. He brings it to the surface and places it in front of you. What will you do with the great treasure? In the first two parables there in our section from Matthew 13 today, uh, the people did not have their prize. They started out without it. A man found a treasure that was hidden in a field. Now, it was very common back in the ancient world for someone with great wealth to hide a good portion of it in a field, to bury it deep so that it couldn't be found by others. Then, in case of war or disaster, or other theft, he could come back and dig up the rest of his wealth and still have it. Now Jesus doesn't say whether the man in the parable of the hidden treasure was looking for it. Perhaps he just stumbled upon it. But either way, it was hidden. And that's how the great treasure is for each of us, too. By nature, we were blind to it. From the time we were conceived and born. As Isaiah says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. None of us by nature could see clearly God's will, God's love, or God's plans for us. We were blind. It was hidden 
Yet all that changed when the Lord turned on the light of the gospel for us and opened our eyes to the great treasure. The great treasure is the kingdom of heaven. It's Jesus ruling in hearts through his word. Jesus governs and reigns in us and among us with his holiness for our impurity, his forgiveness for all of our sins, his mercy amid our misery, his peace between us and God, Jesus' life, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, his salvation for our eternal bankruptcy, and his life that he won for us, an eternal inheritance for us, that discovery, the Lord revealing this great treasure to us, we spot it in the scriptures. We are surrounded by it from the day of our baptisms. We've swallowed it over and over again in the supper. Perhaps the Lord first opened your eyes to it through a pastor or one of your parents or shares it with you week after week from a friend or a family member or a teacher but every time we stumble across it, it's thrilling. What a discovery. In the parable of the pearl, uh, Jesus shows that some people, many people, are seeking something deeper. They're longing for and looking for meaning in life. Some through philosophy, others through pleasure, some through money, others through morality, some through human relationships, others through a variety of different religions, but that treasure is found only in Christ. And that it may be found by an ordinary man or a wealthy merchant underscores that God does not show favoritism. He reveals that treasure to a Naaman or a Naomi, a poor Lazarus or a wealthy Lydia, he has revealed it to you and to me. The great treasure, it's for all nations. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Make disciples of all nations. This is the great treasure. It's the discovery of your life. But it's also the priority. When Captain Bayerly, back in 1981, first discovered the wreckage of the Republic, he went all in on bringing up that treasure. He learned how to dive. He taught others how to dive. He raised funds, purchased equipment. He went on expeditions. He fought legal battles. He sifted through damage and decay on the ocean floor. He wrote books. He had interviews. He committed his life. It was his priority to get that treasure. That's the priority for the, the two men in Jesus' first two parables in our gospel section for today as well. When they found that pearl and that hidden treasure, they went and they sold everything they had. If you could read Jesus' words in the original, as, he, as the Spirit shares that, he brings to life how this treasure is available here and now and today for you. He brings to light 
how anything given up for this treasure, whether in the past or the present or the future, is so worth it. Jesus makes it very clear that this kingdom of heaven cannot be purchased or bought by any human being. It's a gift by grace. He also makes clear elsewhere that there's nothing sinful about being wealthy. There's nothing wrong in and of itself about having wealth. We think of believers such as wealthy Abraham or Joseph of Arimathea, how they were commended for their faith. and They had wealth. So Jesus, with these parables, is not telling us that we must give away everything or sell everything. But he is saying that the kingdom of heaven is the priority. There is nothing more valuable for those in whose hearts Jesus is reigning. And there's actually no quicker way to appraise the priorities in a person's heart than to tell them, lose it all. Get rid of everything. Sell it all, give it away. When our hearts hear that, they sink faster and deeper than a T-boned ocean liner. Sure, we have plenty of clutter maybe around our house or in our basement or in our garage that we'd gladly part with. But my truck? My instruments? My retirement account? My toys? My house? My cabin? My boat? My wardrobe? My recipes? All the food in my pantry and my fridge? To give all of that away? I don't think I could do it. We have prioritized the fleeting over the forever, and we have sold out the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' parable of the net is a serpent unto itself. But there is one point from that parable that really applies here. That believers are swimming among all kinds of different people here in this life. They're raised in the same neighborhoods, attending the same schools, shopping in the same stores, eating at the same establishments, even sitting in the same pews. Yet in the end, the angels separate the righteous from the wicked who have loved their possessions more than the Lord. Everyone for whom real estate has held the title to their heart, they won't occupy a square foot in the promised land. Everyone who has lived for money and cared for that more than the mission of the Lord, they will end up in the red with the Almighty. Those who have lived for collecting things, they will end up discarded, thrown into the blazing fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's one person who had his priorities straight from conception through his crucifixion. That's Jesus. Jesus came not to gather as many shekels as he could for his bank account, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came not to spend all kinds of gold and silver on his own pleasure, but to shed his blood, more precious than silver or gold, to buy you and me back for God. 
Jesus came for us. He treasured our welfare more than his wealth, our peace more than his prosperity, and he did this gladly. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus submitted to the most shameful death ever so that he could reign in your heart and mine. With his life, the kingdom of heaven. The pearl is a fascinating feature of God's creation. Inside an oyster or a mollusk, when a little grain of sand or some other irritant or parasite gets in there, uh, the oyster will secrete a substance that kind of forms around that invader. It's a defense mechanism, and layer after layer of this substance hardens around it. Back in the ancient world, pearls were more rare and they were far more valuable than gold and diamonds and jewels. Yet our pearl is the kingdom of heaven. It's our defense mechanism because nothing keeps us safer. It's our unfailing defense against guilt and sin and death and hell itself. There is nothing rarer or more valuable for you and me because it comes to us through God's one and only Son. He alone is our Savior. So we have the great treasure in Christ. That great treasure consists in, in part, it includes the better country, the city whose architect and builder is God. So we would gladly give up any amount of property or real estate for that. The great treasure also includes the currency of grace, mercy, and peace in Christ. That is what has secured our eternal inheritance. So we would gladly give up any of our assets, any of our funds for that, in service to that. The great treasure includes all the riches of the heavenly realms, eternal pleasures at God's right hand. We part with any toy, any trinket, any electronics, and happily take the world, but give me Jesus. We will seek first the kingdom of heaven and Christ's righteousness, that great treasure. It's our priority. But also Jesus speaks of our inventory. The Republic had quite the inventory with all those wealthy passengers. Now, with about 1,500 passengers on board the Republic, it's amazing that almost every single one of them was rescued. But not the cargo. There were hundreds of bottles of wine, vintage 19th century. There was all kinds of gold coins and other valuables. The baggage of all those wealthy passengers there was all kinds of Navy supplies from the U.S. government. All of that in the inventory, waiting to be hauled up and brought out, carried off. But Jesus says to his disciples who understood him, and who trusted in him, he said, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old 
Already at the time of Jesus, there were many old treasures around. Gospel treasures, promises, there in the Old Testament. The offspring of the woman who had crushed the serpent's head. The promise to Abraham that one of his descendants would bless all nations. The prophet whom the Lord would raise up, like Moses, who would speak the very words of the Lord to his people. The eternal king from David's house, the lamb led to the slaughter who would be pierced for our transgressions, these treasures old would be possessed by disciples in the kingdom of heaven. All those who look to and learn from Jesus and new treasures as well. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. It is finished. Do not be afraid. He is not here. Jesus is risen just as he said. Now go and tell. Hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Not ashamed of the gospel. The power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Treasure after treasure. Treasures old and new. Every time we dive into the scriptures, we bring them up to the surface. And we have them to hold and to share with others. These treasures are invaluable wisdom for us. Guidance. Correction. Admonition. There are life, the great treasure of the kingdom of heaven. In every temptation and trouble, in every situation and stage of life, treasures old and new in your inventory. This is the great treasure. Even though it's been over 40 years since Captain Bayerly's discovered the wreckage of the Republic, he still hasn't put his hands on that gold. But he's not bothered by that. He will not give up hope. He will not stop trying. He is so confident in that treasure to his very core. Not unlike us with the great treasure from Jesus. We haven't held it in our hands, but we will. We haven't set foot on those streets of gold, but we will. We haven't seen our Savior face to face, we will. The scriptures are our proof. The cross is our receipt. Easter is our evidence. The kingdom is ours forever. And Jesus, he has given everything to us, so we will gladly give everything for it. The great treasure. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for our responsive prayer. Eternal Lord, give us peace as we ponder the good news that you forgive our sins in Christ. Lead us to see clearly the path you have laid out for us. Provide courage and compassion to all who preach and teach your word. Fill them with a love like yours as they proclaim your grace to us and all people. Guard and guide the families of our congregation. Lead husbands and wives to love each other with commitment, respect, and patience. Help parents to grasp the eternal value of keeping their children close to Jesus all their lives. Grant joy to those who are single and make them a blessing to others. Provide wisdom and insight to those who make laws and set policies. Give us respect for those who protect us from crime. Lead us to value the rights of our fellow citizens and to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Give us passion to share the story of your love with our family and friends. Overcome unbelief and open the hearts of people everywhere to believe the good news that Jesus has forgiven their sins and opened the gates of heaven. Extend your healing power to those who are sick and suffering in body or mind. Give patience and compassion to all who care for the sick and dying. Lord of the Church, bless our pastors, teachers, staff ministers, and lay people as they gather to worship you, study your word, and hear reports on how you have blessed and challenged the work of our Synod. When those leaders need to make decisions, Help them lovingly express their thoughts and convictions. Then lead them to godly decisions that will allow us to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Please also bless all who travel and all who attend the Synod Convention in Saginaw, Michigan this coming week. And hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Gracious God, you govern and direct all things, and you love all people. Hear our prayers, spoken and silent, and answer them in your wisdom and grace. In Jesus name we Continue with our hymn.
Please stand for prayer. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated for our closing hymn.
Thank you so much for joining us in God's house today. A few announcements. Uh, first of all, we'll be continuing on our Bible study between services here in the sanctuary, going through the life of David, and there will be child care for uh, children of those who are attending Bible study down in the last room on the left in the old part of the school building, which is not that old really, only 20 years old. But anyhow, uh, Mr. Dice's old room, the old fifth and sixth grade room, child care down there this morning. Uh, then, this coming week, we've got a move-in party coming up on Saturday. Uh, a CCB needs request was sent out for that. Uh, we greatly would appreciate any help that can be given uh, for cleaning in the new addition, as well as moving desks and tables and those kinds of things into the new addition, uh, and also helping to arrange our new office area, uh, which is going to be the old pre-K room. So setting up some cubicles in there, getting that ready uh, for the new school year. That's this coming Saturday. Uh, please sign up through CCB or contact our office this week uh, if you're able to help. Uh, then the last announcement I have is in connection with the Wells Synod Convention happening over in Saginaw, Michigan. Pastor Miller and uh, also our delegate, uh, Eric Van Hull, are heading over there today, traveling over there, and will be participating in the convention there this week and back on Thursday at some point. Are there any other announcements to highlight today? If not, please greet those who are worshiping around you, and God's blessings on your Sunday.